This week's episode is brought to you by Ana Luisa Jewelry. If you're like me and you're going to go ahead and get some of your holiday shopping done early this year, I want you to make sure you are checking out this beautiful, sustainable jewelry brand. So Ana Luisa is a jewelry brand with a simple but clear-cut idea that high-quality jewelry just should not cost the planet. We know now more than ever that our choices matter. So if you guys are wanting to focus on a sustainable gift that is also unique and beautiful, Ana Luisa is your go to. So they have trusted partners and they use recycled materials whenever it's possible. They're 100% carbon and water neutral from cradle to grave. And what I love so much about them is that they are fair with their pricing. Not only is this a sustainable jewelry brand, it's not just fast fashion where you don't know where it's coming from, but it's great for the environment and they have affordable jewelry starting at just $39. Also, if you go to their site every other week or so, you will always find something new. They have new jewelry collections that are released every single Friday and I want to make sure you guys are getting at least 10% off of your products. So by using the code Eliza G at checkout, you can get 10% off of your order. I have been using their earring cuffs and their huggies. I have one of their pendant necklaces. I've been wearing the Antoinette ear cuff and I'm telling you I love it so so much so this holiday if you are looking for beautiful classic yet unique pieces of jewelry to gift these are affordable and you're also getting 10% off of all of your products if you use the code Eliza G at checkout you can check out the link in the show notes for those details and make sure you're using the code Eliza G at checkout at analuisa.com that's a-n-a-l-u-i-s-a Dot com for all of your holiday shopping needs. Again, it's Ana Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com. Use the code Eliza G at checkout for 10% off of your orders. Thank you so much, Ana Luisa, for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their health. Every Thursday, you can expect provocative and engaging topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness. Be prepared for tangible tips and takeaways, and to fully understand what it means to live an optimized and energized life. The reality is, is that if you're always following something, that's disordered eating, because what it means is you're not trusting your intuition. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Hotter Than Health podcast. So excited to have you here with me today. We have a great interview today. I know that often we just want, we want some information. We want the meaty details. We want examples. We want tangible takeaways. And this is exactly that episode. Today we have on Tony. So who is Tony Maranucci? She's a registered dietitian. She's also the owner of Tips with Tony. She ironically teaches people how to not diet. So her team of registered dietitians, they provide online nutrition coaching. They help women break free from the all or nothing mentality. She encourages a balanced mindset. Uh, Tony's mission is to end restrictive diet culture by providing simple tips to healthy living while incorporating foods that you love. She recently gave a TEDx talk and wrote a book titled Once Upon a Diet, where she discusses the parallels between diet dating, romantic relationships, and how we treat them all the same. In this episode, we kind of go all over the place. We talk about uh, disordered eating versus eating disorders. And I do want to just make sure that I put that out there before the podcast started, that we will be talking about disordered eating and eating disorders. If that is something that you do not feel comfortable hearing about, maybe you're on a journey yourself, then maybe fast forward through, uh, maybe fast forward and maybe listen to last week's episode. You, We have so many amazing episodes. If this one isn't for you, I totally understand. Uh, but either way, we do give a lot of tangible takeaways. We talk about uh, Tony's experience on the Dr. Oz show. We talk about how dieting is similar to dating. We go through her dating experiences and how she has related that back to yo-yo dieting. We talk about stigmas and body image. It's a really beautiful episode. We have some fun with it. And I also want to make sure that everyone knows that we didn't get to one part that I wanted to. It was about eating archetypes. I went on to her website. You can check out her website at Tips with Tony. 
and she has a quiz on there that kind of gives you your eating archetype. I just got mine sent to me in an email and it kind of goes on Disney princesses. Genuinely, that's not really my vibe, but the way that it's explained is so simple and I really appreciated it. So I think you guys might all like that as well. Also, make sure you are skipping to the very, sorry, not skipping, but you head to the uh, end of the episode. Once you get there, listen up. We are doing a giveaway. Anyone who writes a review for the podcast on the iTunes or podcast app, you just scroll down, write us a five-star review, screenshot that review before you hit enter or send or whatever you hit, send it to us on Instagram, follow tips with Tony and myself, Eliza G underscore wellness, and you will receive a free copy of Once Upon a Diet. I'm so excited for that giveaway. I'm so proud of her. She wants to start her own TV show. She has been on the Dr. Oz show. She's a TEDx speaker. This girl is really going places. So without further ado, let's get Tony Marinucci. She's a registered dietitian, public speaker, coach, and author. And we have her as our guest for today's episode. I know you guys will absolutely love it. Make sure you stick around until the end for the giveaway and you're going to absolutely love it. Introducing Tips with Tony. Tony, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, good, good, good. Well, we were just before we started recording going through the eating archetypes. And I want to make sure that we dog ear that and come back to it. That was really, really interesting, uh, especially because it's so specific. So before we jump in to all the questions that we have today, tell us a little about your childhood, how you grew up and what you think brought you into the space that you're in now. So what were the ups and downs that led you into a career of helping people with their food and their eating and everything? Yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely lots of ups and downs. Um, so I grew up um, overweight and insecure and basically teased very early on about my weight. And it was pointed out to me that it was almost like not acceptable. And I needed to lose the weight if I wanted to be, you know, worthy of love and marriage or acceptance. I literally was told the youngest age is that if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. So that story kind of stuck with me even into adulthood. And so I kind of settled for less than ideal circumstances. I went down the rabbit hole of many different diets and fads and trends. And I went through periods of extreme restriction to tons of overeating to excessive exercise. And I just kind of got stuck in this vicious cycle. Um, And it was really not helpful at all. Also very unhealthy. You know, there was times where I was super stressed out and bloated and, and tired and hungry and irritable. And I was so obsessed with how food was going to make me look, I forgot to focus on how food made me feel. And basically I just went down this rabbit hole of like trying all the things and long story short, I realized that restriction isn't the answer. It's actually part of the problem. And I really needed to kind of figure out what foods fit best for me and my lifestyle. So I went to school to become a registered dietitian. Now, many years later, I've been a dietitian for uh, almost a decade at this point. And uh, now I have a team of dietitians where we help people go from this place of feeling completely scattered about what to do, what to eat, you know, how much and when, and kind of just overwhelmed with all this nutrition information, not sure how to sift through it, um, and really get to this place of clarity of understanding what foods fit best for them. So through many years of trial and error, I kind of figured out what works best for me. And I use that method plus my practice as a registered dietitian to help people find what works best for them. Cause I believe everybody here is unique and individual, and they need to be following things that align with their lifestyle and their biology. I find it so interesting how in the past five to 10 years, well, five-ish years, that more and more people are becoming so reliant on things that are in their control so that they avoid having to understand intuition, having to understand Mm -hmm. how they actually feel when they feel full or what environments they're consuming food in. So for example, I can maybe think of a handful of clients that I've ever had in my whole life that have said that they have never tracked macros or calories or anything like that. And I think that so often people latch on to counting macros and I'm not villainizing it, but it's, it is a trend that they become so obsessed with hitting a certain number that they know they numb out 
what they're actually feeling. So that could mean that they're starving by the end of the day. It could mean that they have body dysmorphia when they are taking these quizzes saying like, you know, are you active? And then you're like, well, I'm active, but I'm not that active, but you probably are and you need Mm -hmm. more. And it's just Mm -hmm. so many little things. Talk about what your experience with tracking macros was like. Can you walk us through a day in the life of when you were tracking macros? Like, what was that like for you? And what is it like now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I agree with you in the sense that I it, it's quite trendy and also to back up a bit. I'm not sure if maybe somebody new who's like listening to this podcast maybe has never listened before. I'm not sure how far in depth you've gone before. But whenever I've mentioned like macros on my stories on Instagram, I usually get at least one message that like that asks me what's a macro. Like I think sometimes yes. too we like over we forget that because it's trendy everybody knows what that means. Basically Thank you. So just to simplify for the listeners, macronutrients are your carbs, protein and fat and they're the things that you need to consume in large quantities and your needs for each of them are going to differentiate based off of your you know your individual wants and needs. With that said, our bodies are extremely intuitive once you finally like calm the noise and stop depending outside of your yourself to figure out what that is, your bodies will naturally probably tell you with some guidance from a nutrition professional um, to really find balance within that. So you don't actually have to count, you know, how many carbs you're eating every day, how much protein you're eating every day, how much fat you're eating every day. Um, but a lot of people will turn to that as a means for control. Um, and then also, you know, it, I'm not going to lie in our program, we have a six month of food freedom coaching program that if someone wants to explore it, it's not the first thing that we'll do, but we will more use it as like an educational tool, but they're being tightly monitored by a registered dietitian who's assessing and tracking and making sure that they're using the macro tracking as a tool, not as the thing or as the diet, which I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in. Um, But with that said, it's not a forever thing. I mean, some people love it, but it's rare. I think some people try to love it because they feel like they don't know what to do with outside of it. I think it's good to also understand what a certain amount of food looks like. So, you know, if you Mm -hmm. just to gauge what it is so that you can become more intuitive on what that really looks like, feeling guilty about X, Y, Z, but really you can have so much more of that and it won't, you know, I love it for that reason. I'm glad you brought that up. I love it for that reason, because a lot of people think that, you know, they're potentially overeating, but it's their the fact that they're under eating, which ends up leading to overeating. So once they track, they realize that they actually have so much more room to eat more nutrient dense foods and just foods in general. So, um, I like it for an educational tool and purpose. Now I'll share my unique story and actually write about it in my book. Um, I, at one point, and I'm being fully transparent, I don't hold anything back, especially being in where a place where people look up to me, I want them to know that I'm human as well. So being a registered dietitian, um, I'm not sure if you feel this way, Eliza, but we've, I feel this pressure to, I, I felt changing language. I felt this pressure to have to quote unquote, look the part. And I've always been in a bigger body. So even when I did change my eating habits and I did lose some weight and, you know, things, you know, were moving in the, you know, on the weight loss sort of side or direction, it almost felt like it was never enough because I was comparing myself to what the epitome of what society viewed as quote unquote, like perfect or what a dietitian should look like. So I also had a ton of knowledge. I had been a dietitian at that point for like five years. You know, I, I know how, so why not? Right. Excuse me. So I thought I was going on this journey to just see, you know, how much fat loss can I achieve in the sense of, you know, with healthy parameters. And it started out super innocent and super, actually it was like going great. My workouts were improving. My aesthetics were changing. I had more energy. Um, Everything was going really well. But then I took a turn. I started chasing the number on the scale, which even though I know how damaging that can be, I still got caught up in it. And I kept trying to lose, like, I'm sure you've heard this before, like the last five pounds and then the last five pounds and then the last five pounds. And I kept moving the needle because I was like, oh, I lost. I thought I didn't think I could get to my goal weight. Then I got there. I was like, oh, let me see if I can do five more. And let me see if I can do five more. And then I honestly, I talk about this in the book, but I actually ended up getting sick because I was stressed to the max. I was under eating my macros. I was tracking every map. It became obsessive. And I, I fell back. And this is where you're always, you can heal, but you're still always healing. You can't, like I had a history from my childhood of disordered eating habits 
Right. And yeah, I healed it. But then I went back into this like lifestyle that I got so wrapped up in that I fell back and, and it it happens. It completely happens. So fortunately when I got sick, I was so upset. I was disappointed because I couldn't work out. Like I used to work out. I had to remove the calorie deficit. So my, my gut could heal. Like there were so many things that I had to change in order to get through that. And at that moment I hated it, but looking back now, hindsight's 2020, I am so freaking glad that happened. So glad because I, uh, now I, my, my gut is healed. My energy's back. And yeah, I'm, I'm back to not that super lean weight that I was at, but I feel good. I feel confident. And I actually really love that experience that happened because now I realize I actually don't need to track every macro. Like if I do, I'll, you know, yeah, I can change the aesthetics of my body, but it was so much effort that I had to put in for so little return that I'm better off. I can now trust my body, trust my hunger. I had to like relearn all those processes because you always are learning them. Um, and it's such a more freeing place to be now. And it like pushes, you find that you're, you know, you're on this journey and you're starting to see progress and you see these little changes and it becomes a little bit addicting. And then you think, okay, well, what if I just amp it up a little bit? What if I just amp that up a little bit? And then we forget what our baseline really is because we're changing it so frequently because that obsession, it's not like it's this uh, steady progression, you know, a few months here, a few months here, a few months here, you know, we want it a little faster, the more progress we get, the faster we want to see it, I feel. So we end up pushing these boundaries. Can you talk about often people won't realize if they are beginning to under eat, if they're beginning to, uh, have some dysbiosis in their gut, if they're starting to lack energy, you know, maybe they're feeling it in their hormones. Maybe they're not getting their period. Maybe they're, maybe it isn't even a matter of like, low body fat percentage, but maybe it's just too much inflammation and stress. Can you talk about some of the specifics that you were feeling maybe at your lowest point? Like when did you start to realize that things were taking a shift for the worse? I was hitting so many walls, like my workouts. I had no, I had no energy. It didn't matter how, how much caffeine I consumed. Nothing was, was nothing was working. And then when I would get that jolt of caffeine after like, and this is what was so obviously unhealthy. Like I was having like a venti Starbucks and pre-workout. And that was the only thing that could get me started. And then I would, then it would be, then I, I couldn't, I literally, my body could not go any further. Like I was hitting wall after wall after wall. I was getting dizzy spells. It was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And it really did take me to have to be like, literally like the doctor for to be like, you cannot work out anymore. Your body needs rest right now. Your like body is stressed out. Yeah. Like you need to just chill. Um, and that's hard because even though I was always overweight as a kid, <clears throat> excuse me, I still was always very active. I always played sports. Like, so I was always the bigger girl on the basketball team and the volleyball team, but I still was always athletic and I, I was used to working out a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a huge shift for me. I really felt like my whole identity was changing. You that's know? huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. The identity is everything because we put and I'm guilty of this in other arenas of my life. Like I put my value, my personal value in how much money do I make or how much is in my checking account? Like I put value on myself through that. Whereas some people find value in their aesthetics of what is the number on the scale? Is it lower than it was in high school? Is it back to my pre-baby weight? You know, all these different labels that we put on. So as we start to talk about identity and as we start to talk about the value that we find within ourselves. I want to shift into, so you, you just wrote your first book and it came out a week ago. You said, congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. It's called once upon a diet. Yeah. And you guys make sure you're listening. We're going to do a giveaway at the end. We're going to do a few different books. So, or a few copies of the book. So you all will have a chance and it y'all will y'all will love this book. So I want to hear, you mentioned something that I hadn't really heard before, which was, uh, why do we date? Why, why do we diet? Like we date talk about that. And what does that mean? And can you give us like some specific examples? Yeah. I can give you a lot. Um, (laughs) so I, I should, like I shared with you early on, it was pointed out to me at a very young age that if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. Like literally people in my family literally just blatantly told me that. 
Um, And then I also grew up in a society where I was always, like I said, the bigger girl and my friends were super petite and they were the ones who were getting the boyfriends. I I never got asked to prom, you know, when you watched any sort of movie or TV show or, you know, anybody in the media, um, you never saw the bigger girl get the guy. Like it just, it was never depicted. Disney princesses, it's all, they all have the same hourglass figure and they end up with the Prince Charming. But I, I never saw a bigger girl represented finding love. So I know I'm not alone in this, whether it was subconscious or, you know, directly told to you, if you were in a bigger body, and also too, I will say it's not just for people in bigger bodies because we live in a society where women are kind of like always being told you need to look like this or change like this, and you're not enough, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. Yeah, like bigger, so, boot, bigger butt, you know, yeah, everything, yeah, you can't everything. Win. Yeah, you really can't win. Um, and so basically, I really put like speaking of like what you value or what you think is worth your worth is like I valued my appearance as like therefore I am worthy of love and acceptance and so what that did for me unfortunately was it led me down this path like this path of and repeating patterns of I say this a lot, but I dated five versions of the same guy, just with a different name and different face. And basically I talk about that. Yeah. I basically like just repeated the same pattern, repeated the same story, like dated guys that really just like weren't good fits. And there was a lot of red flags, but I decided to move past them because I so desperately just wanted to like have the, find the one. Right. And basically when women before they start working with us in our six months of food freedom program they jump from diet to diet hoping each one is quote-unquote the one they basically go around like cinderella's stepsisters trying to jam their feet into something that clearly doesn't work for them right and so we do that we do that with dieting and we do that with dating we so desperately want to lose the weight that we almost don't care how we do it to get there and we so desperately just want to like finally be done dating and just like be in a relationship but we settle for people that really aren't good fits for us. And so that's just like the beginning is how we diet. Like we date is we often don't even know what we're looking for. And we kind of are just kind of going through the motions and then just kind of get swept up in it. We're blind blind to the entire process. We just think that as soon as we hit X or a number on the scale or find that diet, or it gives us what we think that we really want, then we'll be happy. But then we realize, Mm -hmm. oh, there's maintenance. Oh, there's how did I get here? Like, if you don't know how you got here, it's like you're being, it's, it's as though you are studying for a test and, you know, you cheat on the entire test, but then there's like an oral exam and you can't cheat on that. You know, it's like, what do you do? You have no idea that everything is right if you just cheat on the whole way and you ignore the entire process, then how are you supposed to maintain that information? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the questions I actually have people ask themselves before they go on a date or before they even start a diet is to ask themselves, will this last past the honeymoon phase? Because we know that things are always easy in the beginning. Like it's easy. It's exciting. You're motivated. Right. So it's actually good. Everything is good. Everything is good. Everything's fun. There's, there's nothing real. There's nothing serious yet. You know, I so much thought I was love at first sight. It was just lust and good sex. Like that's literally all it was, you know, and then when you, it's water weight. Yeah. And then when you, exactly. And exactly that. And it's mostly you're, you know, in the beginning, you're whatever it is, it's probably better than what you were doing before. Like in the sense of like, maybe in the sense of like, before you were not taking care of yourself at all. And maybe now you started drinking more water or something like, like yeah, you know, like whatever it is, but all that to say, it's always easy in the beginning. Um, and there's, but then there's that turning point. So I'd love to kind of share what I talk about in my book is that there's a turning point past that honeymoon phase. And this is really important because people who are listening, um, you're probably fall into one of two categories. So you're either a bouncer or a planter. So a bouncer is that yo-yo dieter. They go to the next shiny object. They go to the next, what's trending, right? So they get past the honeymoon phase and now the work comes now when it's like, when you actually have to put in the work, they're like, ah, see ya. And then they go to the next shiny object. So they're the bouncer or when in a relationship, right? It's like, they love that. They like are obsessed with like the lust. But then when it comes to like the real work, they're like, eh, nah, no, gotta go. It's not working. Or I don't feel like it's working. So I'm not 
going to wait around to figure it out. Right. And then there's the planter, which is the complete opposite, which I was always a planter. I basically saw the red flags. I knew things weren't working anymore, but I was like, oh, but maybe if I can just bring back the honeymoon phase. And a lot of people do this. They try to relive the honeymoon phase. So they try it again. They try it harder. They try it more. They try it faster. They're just like, beating to it's like to a pulp basically and just like trying to bring something back to life that was just, just gone it's done it's dead right and so basically like what we know is that you always need to learn from both right so I always tell I tell people you got to learn a little take a little bit from the bouncers and take a little bit from the planters right like we don't want to stay in something if it's not working anymore if we don't like it anymore which is the second question I have people ask is do I even like this like if you don't like it anymore it's not working out anymore it's okay to leave that doesn't make you a failure you know, as long as it taught you something, which is, and it doesn't matter how old you are or like, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no timeline. That's when that goes back to like what society says. That's why you have to define what, what are, what's important to you, what your values are, right. You have to really detach yourself from what other people, your family, not even society, but like family pressure, social pressure, friends, like you really need to take that time to sit with yourself and ask yourself, what is it that I want? What is it that I need? And is who I'm with or what I'm doing supportive of that? So, yeah. So, yeah. So basically we need to take a little bit from the bouncers, a little bit from the planters. Like, you know, it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies all the time, you know, at the same time, it's not supposed to suck all the time either. So strike that balance. And there's the fine line between, you know, you notice the red flags and you ignore them or you notice the red flags, you're aware of them, you work on it. And if it's still red flaggy, then you get out, you know, like if you have to be able to communicate and say like, cause sometimes red flags can come up from like past experiences or past trauma or like, you know, things that actually have nothing to do with that person Mm -hmm. or that thing, but it, it, the feeling reminds you of it. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, whether it's in your, your nutrition plan or your relationship, if you have good communication, no good communication with your body or good communication with that partner, chances are you can work through it. That means that it's flexible enough that, there's probably, you know, it's worth continuing to keep trying. Right. Totally. But a good example, I actually just shared this on another podcast I was on yesterday was um, like, there was a, a few relationships, most of them actually before the, my current one, <laughs> where I would just say what I thought the other person wanted to hear. Yes. Can you please go, go on that? Yeah. Like basically go. I just like, I was so worried about you know, their reaction, their response. I, I never said what I truly felt because I just didn't, I didn't want to rock the boat. You know, I didn't want to, you know, make him upset or, or I want, better yet. I want a real example. I want to hear what was a, <laughs> what was a fight you had? Cause I'm telling oh you at like being able to put myself or anyone in their situation, what was an argument that you had that was a red flag and you tried to you know, you said something that you thought he wanted to hear or your partner wanted to hear. And what would you say actually now? I'm going to tell you like in the beginning stages and then more towards the end. Cause this is, this is where it was like straight from the, from the beginning. Like I, I just always thought you were supposed to say things like, oh yeah, you're the one for me forever. Like, you know, like I would just kind of feel like I'm supposed to reassure them that I'm confident we're going to get married one day. Like, but it was so early on and it was just like, I was kind of just saying it because that's what I thought, you know, he wanted to hear, you know, as if like, cause if I didn't say that, I was afraid that that meant that he would like want to break up with me or that like, we're wasting our time. So I like always wanted to like reassure like, oh yeah, no, I'm in this for the long game. And then like, if you really want to go down a rabbit hole, I mean, I was cheated on in my past three relationships multiple times. And I yet decided to, I kept thinking, cause then when I found out and then they would deny it. And then when they talked about it, they basically, basically made it, made me feel, or I can't, they can't make me feel. I felt. <laughs> I know we um, always have to like try and read. Yeah. Re- I'm like, I, I felt like when they, when they knew I was going to leave, like I was debating on like, okay, well, we obviously can't do this. Like, I can't trust you. Then they would get all upset about like, no, but you don't understand. Like, I really do care about you as a one-time thing, blah, blah, blah. And so then I would think about like, oh, well, there, there would be a hurt. They would be upset. But they just hurt me. Why do their hurt? Why do their hurt and feelings matter more than mine? Yes. Right. And yes. that's when that's when I um 
honestly, like, and I talk about this in my book as well. There's a chapter on it, like where I was sitting in therapy and like, it all started coming together. It just like came to the surface. And I was just like, oh my God, this entire time I've been trying to prove my 12 year old version of myself that I'm worthy. Like Uh, I keep living this life in this pattern. And it's like, so you're not even about them. It's literally about me. And my therapist was super helpful in reminding me to just continuously, like if I would get caught up in like, how are they going to feel? She would be like, no, no, no. How are you going to feel? Quick interruption to tell you all about one of my absolute favorite, most trusted brands, and that is Organifi. If you follow me on Instagram or if you have listened to the podcast before, you know that I love this brand. People ask all the time what type of protein I use, what type of probiotic, what type of supplements I'm using, and I can almost always guarantee you that it is Organifi. So Organifi is a superfood and supplement company that is focused focused on high quality ingredients and they also are fully backed by glyphosate free products and that is something that I don't see anywhere else on the market so glyphosate is a carcinogenic chemical that can be found in Roundup and it's led to different types of cancers and it is highly inflammatory to our system. Organifi actually adds another process to their testing to make sure that there aren't any traces of glyphosate in their products. So I am all about that. We have no clue how many different types of chemicals are harming us that are in our supplements. So you want to make sure that you're actually using a trusted brand. Some of the products that I absolutely adore and use daily is the Organifi Green Juice. It has so many potent antioxidants. I also love their Vanilla Complete Protein. And if we're being honest, I still use their probiotics. I use them all the time. I travel with them. Even just last night, my boyfriend asked when we were getting more of them. And I genuinely believe that we're giving some to the dog too. We just like to make sure that everyone in the house is staying super healthy, especially as seasons are changing. People are moving around. We're traveling. We're eating differently. Maybe our sleep patterns are disrupted. So it's more important now than ever to make sure that our system is supported, our immunity, our serotonin, and we're not um, losing out on any of our liveliness right? So I want to make sure you guys are getting set up with the highest quality products out there on the market. Make sure you check out Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, and you can use the code Eliza, or you can use the code H-T-H at checkout for 20% off. Again, that is code HTH at checkout for 20% off of your order. And once you get there, make sure you're checking out the green juice, you're checking out the complete protein and the probiotics. Not only is this great for you, but it's a great gift for the holidays. Again, that's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Use the code HTH at checkout for 20% off of your order. You can also check on the link in the show notes or on my social media. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Like, cause I, 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 and I honestly, that's even a pattern. Like even in my childhood, not outside of romantic relationships, I was just like always, cause it took the focus off of me, to be honest. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I just like, oh, that I would, even when I would talk about stories, it would be like about my family. It was never about me. I never talked about me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a Mm -hmm. defense mechanism because inside I was hurting. Totally. Or you feel like when you get that attention, is the, are you going to be able to deliver? Are you going to be able to like bring the value that people need? And then you realize, well, do I even like what I'm saying? Do I even like what I'm doing? Or am I just trying to fill out this perception? Right. Um, and I think that honestly, I work with a lot of moms. I work with a lot of dads. I work with a lot of women who are within childbearing years, quote unquote, or like, you know, late twenties to early forties. And they have, just this image. I'll, they always say, Hey, I just want to look and feel the way I did back when I was dating in my early twenties and things like that. I'm like, that's a whole new, ver- a whole different version of you, you know? Yes. So let's change the hobbies. Let's change the morning routines and those types mm-hmm. of things. Because I think that just adding kale is not going to, is not going to cut it a lot of the times. And I appreciate you going into that. And I think that sometimes we, sometimes we need to hear about different facets of our life, such as dating or other people's lives in order to really understand the all encompassing, you know, wellness aspect. Right. Yeah. They're usually very much attached. And like, obviously, like I spoke about 
um, dieting and dating because as a dietitian, that's my expertise when it comes to, you know, what diets are and all that. But um, dating, it's not my expertise. I'm, I'm very honest about that. It's just more of a personal experience. But you could... I mean, there's parallels in everything with this. Yeah. Like if we're, we, the way we have, the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. Yeah. Right. So like how you were honest before and you kind of said that at one point you put like your worth to your bank account. Like I definitely have gone through that as well. Like we just want to attach some, we just need to attach something. We need something tangible because it's hard for us to, to not see it. But once mm-hmm. you can detach from that, it's actually very freeing. It's <laughs> very freeing. And, and I yeah. think that also it gives us, it reminds us that when we are left up to our own devices, we're not always going to choose a cheeseburger and fries. Like sometimes we want the healthy thing. Sometimes we oh, want, yeah. you know, it's okay. I think that if you put so much pressure on yourself to always do it right, then, then you're never going to give yourself credit for when you just want to do it right. Instead of feel like you have to do it right. A hundred percent. And like I said earlier, the second I started focusing on how food made me feel instead of focusing on how it made me look, that's when I found balance in my eating habits. So what I mean by that is I think people are afraid that if they don't have these restrictions or these limitations, or they're not like on a diet that they're going to like have a party and it's going to be a free for all. But if you're truly listening to how certain foods make you feel, like we already know that when you over consume like highly processed foods that have added sugar or salt and fat and all of those things that they're, they're not bad when you have them singularly, right? They're never, they're never bad. I don't even like to use that term, but like, you're not going to feel unwell if you have a small piece of, oh, you have some French fries with your salad of grilled chicken, like, yeah. but you're not going to feel well if you have the French fries with the cheeseburger, a milkshake, and you also didn't eat any vegetables that day. Yeah. Like you're not going to feel good. Right. So it really comes down to just paying attention. And, and especially if you're involved in other things, whether it's, you know, um, exercise and you care about your perform- performance in the gym, maybe you're trying to help, you know, your gut and normally you know, regulate your bowel movements. Um, maybe you care about like your, your skin, you want healthy skin. And when you focus on things outside of the scale, right, you can start to shift things to support those goals. And then everything starts to just kind of fall into place yeah. and you will naturally balance it out. Like you really will because your body is incredibly built to balance you out. That's its whole design. It's meant to do that for you. Um, you know, when you get super, super hot, you sweat. That's your body's way of trying to create equilibrium. Like it's incredibly capable of handling things for you. When you're cold, it gives you chills and that's just way to try to warm you up. Like these are all things that our bodies are naturally made to do. So the more you actually practice, including all foods, but then focusing on how foods make you feel, the closer you'll be to finding balance in your eating habits. Yep. Just getting back, like take your body home. Um, yes. so I want to shift a little bit. We touched on it slightly, but I think there is a huge difference in the terminology. And I want to make sure that it's addressed from you and however you present it in your book. But when people use the phrase, um, eating disorder or disordered eating, because Mm -hmm. one can be truly traumatizing and devastating. The other, it's more of a warning or more of a, um, I think a lot of people, the majority of people have found themselves with disordered eating patterns. Can you talk about the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder? Yeah. So in my book, I actually don't talk about eating disorders. It's more for the go- those who are geared for disordered eating, because if you are clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder, you need a full support team. Like a book isn't going to be the thing that solves that. Right. So the difference is, is an eating disorder, you would fall into certain criteria based on the DSM five, which is actually considered a mental health, it would be considered a mental health disorder. And if you fall into those categories, then you do need support from a registered dietitian, a therapist, and lots of attention to, to help heal that. With that said, I think a lot of eating disorders go undiagnosed because a lot of the criteria is actually based off of weight and BMI, which is actually not, if you really do the research, it's actually not a great indicator of whether someone is um, has an eating disorder or not, because it really comes down to your behaviors and your thoughts. It's archaic. archaic. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, um, so I think a lot of eating disorders go unnoticed. Now, with that said, we live in a society today where disordered heating habits 
are literally just considered normal in today's society. So for example, you have diets and media and, you know, quote unquote influencers on social media recommending and encouraging you to exclude whole food groups, to cut out carbohydrates, to um, do crazy like cleanses or detoxes or skipping meals or following like very rigid, rigid meal plans with like no flexibility. And the reality is, is that if you're always following something, that's disordered eating because what it means is you're not trusting your intuition. And we're mammals, we're humans. We all mammals, you don't have to tell your cat, your dog how to eat their food. And how, like, you know what I mean? Good like we need, we need to let go of this idea that we need to be following something in order to be healthy and happy. Right. And so when it comes to disordered eating, um, it really comes down to, you could have part of those characteristics of what would classify as an eating disorder, but not all of them to be classified. So you might have this preoccupation about food in your body so much so that it really makes it stressful to go to social situations. You know, you spend hours in the grocery store. Um, you're constantly navigating like the back of the nutrition facts label, sometimes where you end up never eating, not eating anything just because you don't even know what to choose. And sometimes you kind of go overboard because you're like, screw it, I'm frustrated, right? And so you can fall into all of that without having like this weight classification um, or you have kind of like this trend of going on a bunch of different diets. Maybe you don't struggle with skipping meals or something like that. Like, you know, so um, that's where it, there's a lot of gray area around it. I would just say that if you ever struggle with any of those things I just shared, there's room for healing. There's room for healing your relationship with food. Um, and there's room for healing your body image. Yes, absolutely. And it's definitely, it's at the forefront because often we idolize certain people on social media. We see what they're eating in a day and we're like, oh my gosh, it looks like they eat so much. That's great. Good for them. But we're not seeing the like extra couple handfuls or the, yeah. you know, we're also not seeing that maybe their parents are stick thin and like they're, they've always just been kind of predisposed to that image. So I definitely agree. And I'm, it's in my nature to post about food constantly. It's not in my nature to post about like calories and macronutrients and things like that, but definitely, um, the whole food aspect of it, the holistic approach. So I think it's important to understand that, you know, give yourself some grace. It's different if you're like, oh my God, I'm so full, I'm uncomfortable. And then, you know, is it holding you back from being social? Is it holding you back from um, getting to where you want to be just in life? So thank you for clarifying all of that. I think that that's really important. Take us to it's, I think that you might be the first guest that I've had on who was on the Dr. Oz show. And I think that's so cool. So can you tell us about your experience there? I know you mentioned, um, you've been in dietetics for about 10 years. So what has your journey been like? What led you to Dr. Oz and what was that? What was that like? He seems like yeah. a goofball. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. Dr. Oz has a reputation, doesn't he? Um, I had the pleasure of being on the show a few times, um, but the reason why I decided to do it, even though I'm not hundred percent aligned with the nutrition information that he spits out there, he does have a big, decent following. And I actually have always had this dream of having my own talk show. So when I was on the show, I had the opportunity to kind of sample, um, to prepare, uh, avocado spread and avocado butter and basically talk about the nutritional benefits of, you know, it's high in monounsaturated fats and, and, um, supports heart health and, you know, all the things. And so it was a really cool experience, but more importantly, the reason why I was so excited to have it was because I got to see behind the scenes of what it would take for me to have my own show. So if anything, I just lit a fire under my butt to, yeah. <laughs> to you know, work harder. And I've always, it's actually why I created my blog. So my business is called Tips with Tony and it was a blog before it was a business that I actually started in my junior year of college as a dietetics major. So it has been around for a really long time. And the reason why I created it was because I wanted to be a reliable resource that people could go to when looking to learn how to sift through all this overwhelm of nutrition information. So I, I made it, I created the blog with the intention to one day grow enough of a following to get out of my own show and kind of be some, you know, have a platform like Dr. Oz has, but with more, but with better 
guest. I hate to say it, but you can have it be whatever you want. Maybe his show is just not exactly. You don't have to yeah. paste. It'll be amazing. No, I, yeah. So I just, I really want, I honestly want to take a little bit from everyone. I'm obsessed with Oprah. I'm expre- obsessed with Ellen. I'm like, you know, it's like, I want to take a little bit from each of the shows, but then obviously like have my own show and then bring on guest experts that I know that are truly the experts in their field. You know, having my podcast, the Tips of 20 podcast, I have had the pleasure of interviewing many people throughout the years. And it's been such a pleasure connecting with people. Um, but this would just be a similar format to that, but obviously more visual aids and we can have fun. And, um, so yeah, so that's why that experience for me just kind of lit a fire under me to, to help me to realize like, I, I gotta keep getting on more podcasts, creating the space to really speak the truth because there's a lot of misinformation out there. It sounds like you've really taken some smart steps. So you started, you know, X amount of years ago, just with the blog and you've been very consistent with that. I think that's huge. It's not just a lot of people who started start businesses. They're like, okay, I'm going to start a blog and then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And while they begin adopting other parts of their business plan, whether it be a podcast or one-on-one clients, whatever, they start to drop the ball on the others. Whereas I think you have to kind of be able to master one so that it's either almost on auto or you're just so efficient at it and consistent. You have a system down and then you can adopt the other one while juggling both balls. So that's so huge. I'm so excited for you. And I mean, if you want it, you can have it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, also the way things are shifting is that I think honestly, like I'm going to just, I'm going to work. I haven't really, it's ironically, I started on YouTube and I haven't really touched my YouTube channel in years, but I just, everything like automatically uploads like my podcast and stuff, but I haven't been like actively trying to grow my YouTube channel, but I've been doing things like Instagram and podcasting and all those other things in, in blogs on my website and whatever. But all that to say, I think it's the time. I think the time is now. I finally create, I have a t- team of dietitians now. They're the ones doing the one-to-one coaching. I'm just overseeing the process. Um, the book is out. The book is done. I have the space. I just moved. Like, Where are I you living now? I'm still in New York, um, but I'm in a three bedroom apartment. Whereas before I was in a one bedroom. So I basically, girl. Got, yeah, <laughs> I, I needed, I wanted, I honestly, for me, it's like an, an investment in the sense of like, it's uh, the space because it's hard to create when you don't have the space. So I wanted a separate room to be just the office. And then me and my boyfriend, I have a stepdaughter. So oh, basically got it, got she wa- we wanted her to have her own room, but yeah. So anyways, all that to say, the time it's coming it's coming it's girl definitely i coming. can't wait as soon as yeah. that happens um, you just <laughs> so I'll have my know. show on youtube instead of on you know a big network tv show which most people are going that way anyway exactly and i was just about to say it's hard not a lot of people are watching live tv i know so many people just stream youtube on their on their tvs you know yeah, exactly um, so you're you're doing it all right that's so exciting well Thank i'm so excited you. for you now let's do a little i think we should do a giveaway with your book yeah yeah i would love that okay i would absolutely so, love that uh, for the giveaway, all you have to do is follow. Cause I know you're like at 9,000 something. I really want you to get to 10 K. Oh, thank you so much. You know, what's so funny. I was on this road to 10 K all for the swipe up feature, but now Instagram lets you use the link now. So I don't really have a motivating factor anymore, but I still Wait, want can, it. I still can want anyone it. use the link. You should be able to, it's been opening up for people. Okay. I don't know if it's yeah. open up for me, but I need to it, check that. It will be, it's starting to open up. So it doesn't matter now anymore. So for so long, I was like, I need to get to 10 K. It'd be so much easier instead of saying link in bio, link in bio to just like put it there. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Well, yeah. either way. Yeah. So, but thank you anyways. It, I appreciate that support. <laughs> it, still looks good. it still looks good. Um, yeah. But yeah, all you have to do is follow tips with Tony and I'll get you to put all your information out there and follow me, follow Tony on Instagram and make sure you leave a review for the hotter than health podcast. And anyone who leaves a review for the next two weeks on the hotter than health podcast will get a copy of the book and, um, we'll send it out. We'll figure all that, the logistics out as we go, but I'm so excited. Message us to let us know that you wrote the review. I feel like that'd probably be the easiest way Yes. To okay, even like screenshot. Yeah, right. I feel right. It's so hard to because otherwise it might be hard to like get their contact information and like you're so you know, right. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
You're so right. So go ahead, screenshot your review on the Hotter Than Health podcast on iTunes. It's on the link in the bio, in the show notes, everywhere you can find it. Just hop onto the podcast app. It's the little purple one. Everyone has it on their computer or on their phone. So go ahead, screenshot it, and you will get a book, uh, Once Upon a Diet. So I'm so excited for that. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on everything. Go ahead, share where everybody can find you on social media and what you have coming up next. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. Uh, The book is available on Amazon. If you're listening to this after that two week mark, although you should still subscribe and review because Eliza does a lot of hard work and I know what it takes to keep a podcast up and running and the reviews so, so help. So if you liked anything that you heard today or on any other episode, like definitely write a review and give it a five star rating. Um, and then what's, what's coming down the pike. Um, right now I'm really just focused on helping people heal their relationship with food and find confidence in their body and their eating habits, which if you want to learn more about that, you go to tipstony.com slash coaching, where you could apply to potentially work with one of the dietitians on my team. Um, and then, yeah, I guess subscribe to my YouTube channel since we just talked about how I think I'm going to start. I've created this space now where I think that's going to be my next project. So yeah, I'd love to hear your takeaways, connect with me, message me. Um, I answer all my DMs seriously. So don't hesitate to reach out. Great. That's so awesome. I'm so excited and, uh, make sure you are entered into win this book. I can't wait. I'm going to leave myself a review so that I can get this book, but um, (laughs) you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Tony, thank you so much. We'll have to have you on again. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I know you absolutely loved all that Tony had to share on today's episode. She's fantastic. Again, we are doing a giveaway with her brand new book. It is only a week out on the shelves and it's called Once Upon a Diet. And we're going to get rid of the stigmas of diet culture. We're going to stop hopping around from diet to diet. And I just love her take on how dieting is like dating. And basically, however we do one thing, that's how we do everything. I love it so much. Uh, either way, make sure you hop on to Instagram, follow Tony and myself on Instagram and leave us a review five stars on iTunes, hop onto the iTunes or podcast app, leave us a review, take a screenshot, send us a picture of your review, and we're going to make sure to give you a copy of this book. Again, anyone who writes a review on the Hotter Than Health podcast on the iTunes app gets a copy of Once Upon a Diet. I'm so excited for this, and genuinely, the reviews mean so, so much, especially as we come into the holiday season. More and more people are listening to podcasts, so more people will find Hotter Than Health with the more reviews. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Can't wait for next. And I hope you all have an amazing rest of your week.